It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our 10th and final week of the program for 2019, and it's our weekly look, of course, at the teams, the coaches, the players, and the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, once again with Providence. Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. And for our finale this season, we come to you once again from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in New York, as the 37th Big East Tournament is decided this weekend in the 40th year of Big East basketball. There are few places in the country that have the tradition the history, the drama, and the passion like we're fortunate enough to have here at the Garden, Kev. Well, we're just so excited to be here, John. Every single year, this is my this is my favorite show. You know, not that the other editions of This Week in the Big East aren't Because we're courtside for it all, right? But let's do this every year and <laughs> every place from right here up high above courtside. It's outstanding. I, I think I've been coming 34 years in a row, which makes me really old, yeah. but really fortunate. Yeah, well, I would say uh, one and the same. Very true. Well, our final show this week isn't so much about who's winning or who's lost along the way, although we will do a little bit of that, but it's more so on the players and the coaches and how this regular season wound up. We We've talked all season long about the parity in the Big East and whether or not it might help or hurt teams as they approach Selection Sunday this weekend. But one thing is certain, this has been entertaining. It has been unpredictable, and sometimes it's been just flat-out crazy from November right into March, and you really can't ask for more than that, can you? No, and I expect more in that upcoming Big East tournament. Uh, you know, I, this time of year, everyone's excited about the NCAAs and see who you can get in and what seed you're going to be. I can tell you that the teams and the players and the coaches, they want to win the Big East tournament first. And so uh, I really credit Jay Wright from Villanova. He's been an outspoken pusher of the importance of winning the Big East, winning that neighborhood turf war, beating your friends at the local park. It just happens to be Madison Square Garden. I would take you back a step further. I'd say that was a tradition and a thought that began with Dave Gavitt when he launched this league and decided on bringing the tournament together after the first three years of the Big East being involved. Uh, it started out in Providence and then it went to the Carrier Dome. It was also at the Hartford Civic Center for a year, but then bringing it to Madison Square Garden and the showcase of New York and winning that turf war that you just mentioned. That's what really helped put Big East basketball on the map nationally. There's no question. There's a a lot of, I think the ACC tournament uh, is pretty much the only other one that has that type of tradition. Obviously, it stretches a little further back, but you turn on some of the other tournaments around the country, and you could tell they're really playing for seating. They're playing for bids, right. where these guys are playing for that bragging rights and neighborhood pride. Well, as for the headlines this week, it has to start with Villanova. Wildcats take the regular season title for the fifth time in six years, even as they semi-stumble into the week's Big East tournament by losing five of eight after that uh, record-setting 10-0 start. But a team that has lost two or that has two first-team all-league performers with not one but two national title game appearances between them, they have experience that is unmatched, and the Wildcats made that experience pay off in the end. Georgetown was the only team to avoid a three-game losing streak this season, which is remarkable when you think about that, especially when it comes to considering the Wildcats and Marquette. The Golden Eagles were poised to take their first-ever crown, but then lost four straight to end the regular season. Marquette finishes in second. 
then true to form for the entire year. There was a log jam in the league standings thereafter. This year, a four-way tie for third with Seton Hall, Xavier, Georgetown, and Creighton all locked up at 9-9 nine and nine in league play. St. John slipped to seventh at 8-10, and 10, while Providence, Butler, and DePaul finished 7-11 and 11 in a three-way tie for eighth. And as was the case for most of the season, a mere two games separated third place from last place in this beastly Big East this year. So, Kevin, we've talked for a while now about this parity from within, but while the Big East may have been, let's say, immature, in some ways on the floor, the talent is still prevalent, and most of this talent will be back next year for what could be a monstrous season of competition. No, there's been a lot of teams with some good recruiting and obviously the experience and you know, just talent of these younger teams. You know, there's so many good young players. You know, we, we, we can we can list a lot of them. Some of them might be so talented they might jump to the pros, but mm-hmm. everyone from Marcus Howard, who's the player of the year in the league, is going to be a guest on our show. Miles Powell's a junior. Shamari Pons is a junior. Uh, Kamar Baldwin from uh, uh, Butler. Butler junior. And, uh, junior. Alpha Diallo from Providence, a junior. Uh, Every single team. Paul Reed from uh, DePaul is a really talented sophomore. Just th- every single team has a building block for a big jump next year. If you have questions about your team, what they may have, what they don't have, what they're coming back with, you can send them to us by hitting us up on Twitter with a hashtag TWITBE for TWITB. And that goes for the offseason, too, as well as March Madness, if you like. We thank our Westwood One stations for tuning us in all season long. And if you're catching us on Sirius XM with three different channels carrying the load for us, we welcome you to an up-close and personal view of the Big East. Thanks for listening and downloading on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, our podcast partners again this season and hey do leave us a review if you can we always appreciate it with the postseason now underway the final tally is in on the all league teams including player and coach of the year we'll also run down the all biggie selections we'll hear from the top player and coach and get some national perspective of what transpired in 2018 and 19 leading off though if you wonder how jay wright just keeps on doing what he does join the club lose four players to the nba draft no problem Keep on winning. That's not just a team. That's a program. That's a culture. And that's what Wright has on the main line, a program and a culture. The Big East Coach of the Year, Villanova's Jay Wright, joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Big E Spotlight. Catch with the ball. Cremo finds Pascal underneath. Hesitate and then explodes up and throws down the two-handed jam. Booth on the dribble on the right wing. Raises up for a three. He's got it. Phil Booth delivers a monster three. And the Cats take a one-point lead. The regular season didn't quite end the way Villanova would like it to, but some way, somehow, Wildcats hung around long enough to claw their way back to the top of the Big East again this season. Kevin McNamara. So what is new is old again. Or what is old is new again as Nova wins another Big East title. Well, hats off to Nova because, you know, when you lose the four players they lost, and really two unexpectedly with Dante DiVincenzo and Amari Spellman 
you rebuild on the fly, and that's right. really what Villanova did this year. We know that they got you know punched early by Michigan and Furman at home, uh, and then limped into the into the postseason, losing four out of six. But no one wants to have to play Villanova. Well, earlier this week, we had the chance to speak with Jay Wright about his season, which started with a very large challenge, as Kevin just alluded to, having to replace four pros from his national title lineup a year ago. I knew we were going to have a challenge. I didn't know what it was going to be like. And, and then um, we opened up with Michigan and Furman. And then I thought, <laughs> wow, we got a big challenge yeah. after that. But, um, but you know what? That was good. It, it smacked us in the face. It, it let us know what it was and what we had to do. And uh, I, was, I was proud of our guys. We, 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 we're still at a point where we're, I think, getting, trying to get better. We, we never really got to be a complete team yet. You had the saving grace, Jay, with two experienced, really good seniors. Just the importance of Phil Booth and Eric Paschal all year to steady the ship. I think that was the key to our season and, and, and the key to a Big East championship. You can, all the other teams in this league are young you know they've got good players but they're young and we had the two most experienced high level players um, and, I, and I think those two made the difference I really do now I don't know if we wore them out or not and and, and what they're going to be like here in the Big East tournament but I, I really think those two were, were the key to our season. What if you might also speak to the balance in the league overall and the fact that uh, what we probably all went through in some form or fashion was a little bit unprecedented this year. What was that like to get pre- ready for that on a night-in and night-out basis? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember a season like this ever, you know, in the Big East or even when I was in the old America East where, um, you know, you always say you, every night anybody can win. But in this league, it was proven, right, and... Um, and, and you're coming into this tournament, and you you just know that if DePaul is the last seed, every one of us had tough game. We we actually should have lost to them at home. At home, uh, they're an experienced team, a very good team, uh, and then you you move up from there, you know. And and uh, five losses wins the league, right? It it just shows you the parity. And I and I think the teams, the a lot of the younger teams are playing much better now at the end of the season, and I, I think it bodes well for us going into tournament play, but also. I think next season, I think this league is going to be powerful next season. Let's go back to your year a little bit. We talked, I know, on the show earlier in the year that the Kansas game was a big game for you. But I think also uh, after a 10-0 Big E start, I believe, yeah, which is really impressive. And then all of a sudden you lose a few games here at the end and everyone's like, well, what's wrong with Villanova? I'm like, aren't they allowed to lose a couple <laughs> games, you know, once in a while? I mean, what do you say to your kids heading into March now because you have lost a couple? Yeah, I mean, we've actually lost four of six, and, and we try to try to take one game at a time. And w- when we were winning ten, a lot of those games we knew, um, you know, it could have gone either way. You know, we, we we won a game against Creighton where they missed two free throws in a in a three point yeah, yeah. Uh, on a three point shot foul that they make one of them and we, we lose the game. Mm-hmm. So we we knew it was fragile, uh, and uh, we haven't. It was funny, you win 10 in a row, so it looks like you're consistent, but you're really not. We, we just haven't been really consistent. But we got a lot of young guys, too, you know, and I think that's what everybody in the league has been like this year. They have nights when the young guys can really step up and play, and we've been the same. And then other nights we just don't bring the consistency. So that's what I'm hoping we're kind of getting close and we're all, we're all running out of time right now. We, 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 we want to get there fast. Is it fair to say that you, with that looking for that consistency, that you got more than maybe you bargained for with the way Sadiq Bay developed, the way Colin yeah. Gillespie came on as well? Well, yeah. you know, some Jermaine of our, Samuels, too, for that yeah, matter. Yeah. Uh, Sadiq Bay really helped us a lot. Yeah. Surprises. And we really had Cole Swider going. He's really yeah. starting to get it going. 
and he broke his hand. And, you know, sometimes a hand injury is four weeks. It turned out to be six weeks, right? And for a freshman to miss six weeks at that point in the year really hurt him. And, and I, I hope we can get him back a little bit now. But um, you're right, Jermaine Samuels was a guy who last year broke his hand, missed a lot, struggled a little bit as a freshman. He started to come on. So it, none of them are finished products, obviously, or, or have a lot of experience, but they're getting there. And this season did give a lot of them uh, reps that they needed. I'm hoping in, in postseason play it will help us. Curious what you're thinking about going into next week. I know you don't want to look ahead of the Big East tournament. It's an important weekend for someone like you. You've talked about that. But you're not going to be a one seed for the first time in a while. You could be a five, six, who knows. Yeah. But it is a different mentality than being, you know, one of the top seeds in the whole tournament. You know, it's funny, Kev. I've thought about that. You know, we talk about the Big East tournament. You know, to, I, I think to us coaches in the Big East, um, this tournament probably means more to us than any of the other league's tournaments do. Just we, We've all talked about that winning a Big East title to us is in Madison Square Garden is almost like the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, we, we do concentrate on this. But then, so I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the seeding, but I know it's out there, and I know we're not going in with, you know, a 116 game. Not, it, it's not easy, but it's a lot different than playing sure. a 7-10 or an 8-9, which we could be. And we haven't been in that situation for a while, you know. So we'll have to deal with that at the end of the tournament. But I can say one thing to you. Uh, as many times as we're in the tournament, I'm always appreciative to be in it, right? And then, then you got to go play. Big East Coach of the Year, Jay Wright, visiting us with us this week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. All right, Coach, everybody said this league is wide wide open for this conference tournament. Uh, I think we all know that there are some favorites, but as you've already suggested, even the bottom of this league could could make it even. How do you feel the national perception has been of that throughout the course of the year, and has it been an unfair perception, do you think, in your opinion? I think, I, no, I think when you, you, know, you don't have the big wins or the, um, you know, the top ten teams like we've had yeah. the last few years, um, yeah, they, 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 they sent you down a little bit, you know, but... It, but my point is, if this is a down year, if this is a down year and the last place team wins seven games and Seton Hall goes 9-9 nine and nine and they mm-hmm. beat Kentucky and Maryland and we've beaten Florida State and other teams, if that's a down year, this is a hell of a league, man. And, and, and you, every environment you go into, even if a team is a little bit young, it, the place is sold out, it's yeah. packed, it's... I'm just. This is everything that college basketball is about. This league, and and I, and I do think there's teams. I'll just pick Seton Hall because we played them last. But I think there's teams like Seton Hall, and I take Providence. Just had a great game uh, against Butler. There's teams that are young that if a, they run into a, a, a national team now, no one's going to want to play them. You know, and and we have a lot of young teams that are playing really well right now. Anything can happen in this tournament, and anything can happen in the NCAA tournament. That's Villanova head coach and the Big East coach of the year for a fourth time in the past five seasons, sixth time overall. That's Jay Wright. And he's right about the unpredictability, Kevin, but these younger, will these younger talented teams, including perhaps even his own in some ways, find a way to win when it counts in the next few weeks overall in the Big East? Well, I I think once they get into the NCAA tournament, John, they're going to need someone besides Phil Booth and Eric Paschal to step up. Uh, the contenders are obvious. Colin Gillespie, if he shoots the ball well, it's a huge, huge help. And, you know, look at the year that Sadiq Bey, a freshman, and Jermaine Samuels, who has really come on in the last month, those two guys will be vital as well. I would argue Samuels has been one of the more important guys that has now moved into the lineup for Villanova than anybody else on that roster just because he's able to uh, contribute, contribute in a positive way. And guard multiple 
uh, players. Right now, they've become a very good defensive team, really have been all season, because they can switch every single screen uh, on every team in the country, which is something to say. Next up, who's hot, or more specifically, who has been hot? We run down the all-Big East teams and the postseason awards next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's hot? Stolen by McKnight. Comes back one-on-one and lays it up and rolls home. And a foul. The basket counts. McKnight took the bump. Seton Hall takes the lead. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East from Madison Square Garden. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. We're in New York at the site of the Big East Tournament for 2019. All league honors for this year. As we run them down, Kev, some quick comments maybe on the players. From your standpoint, you've seen all these guys frequently this season, but let's also note who might have been deserving and didn't get the call. All right with you? Okay. First team, Jesse Govan, Georgetown. Marcus Howard Marquette, Shamari Pond, St. John's. Miles Powell, Seton Hall, Phil Booth, Villanova. And Eric Pascal, Villanova. Nova. Hard to argue with any of those young men. I think they did an excellent job, the coaches. Uh, the, I will say it's one of the cleaner votes uh, that I can recall. I'd say if there was one player, and I'm not probably Govan would be the one who would be bumped out, and the replacement in my eyes would be Sam Hauser from Marquette, uh, only because he and Marcus Howard really carried you know, the Golden Eagles into the top the 25 all season long. That's right. Of course, as you mentioned, Sam Hauser's in the second team. Also featured by uh, Kamar Baldwin of Butler, Max Drews DePaul, you mentioned Hauser, Alpha Diallo from Providence, and Najee Marshall of Xavier. That might end up being first team next year. You never know. I was just going to say that. I, every guy except for Struess will be back. Right. Uh, I, I don't see any guys who would make the jump to the NBA there and will be major building blocks. Two players in the honorable mention that probably both deserve spots somewhere on either the first or the second team, and they both are from Creighton, and Tyshawn Alexander and Martin Crumple. Would not have disagreed with Alexander making second team, uh, maybe in place of Najee Marshall, pulling a name out there. Alexander also was a strong candidate on most improved player in the Big East. And let's also take a look at the Big East freshman team as well. These are the stars of the future. Marcus Zegarowski of Creighton, hard to forget that name. James Akinjo, Georgetown. Josh LeBlanc, Georgetown. Mac McClung, Georgetown. Joey Hauser, Marquette. Sadiq Bay, Villanova. I think we knew that Patrick Ewing would have a very good freshman class, but I don't think anyone, including the Big East coaches who, who recruited some of the same players, would have thought that they would make the impact, collective impact that they did. Just a quick word about Marcus Zagorowski, however, because he was sort of under the radar, especially early in the year for Creighton. I think he turned out to be one of the smarter, more heady point guards in the league. I don't care the classification. He grew up in Massachusetts, and it's a long way from Massachusetts to Nebraska. <laughs> you pass an awful lot of colleges, and there's an awful lot of head coaches who said, could have had that guy. Why didn't we recruit him harder? Heady, smart, quicker than he appears, and Great can shooter. shoot the lights out. Absolutely. As for the other honors, Coach of the Year, uh, of course, we uh, will. Uh, we just got a chance to talk to him. Jay Wright and Villanova, and deserving as well, just because of the job he did having to rebuild this team, losing four players to the NBA draft uh, uh, last summer. Plus
player of the year. He's actually coming up next on the program. Marcus Howard, hard to argue with that. Not at all. I think he has a chance to be a first-team All-American yeah, and, and the only one from the Big East. Probably deserves that. Defensive player of the year, Justin Simon from St. John's, who was really a kind of a glue guy if there ever was one in this league for the Red Storm. No, I give him a lot of credit. I, I, I think there's an awful lot of good candidates to be uh, the best defensive player in this league because this is this has been a very good defensive league. Uh, everyone, I, I think Eric Pascal uh, is you know would have been a good one too. Th- think good he, he he guards guards forwards and big men. I think you could also take a look at uh, big guy Theo John from Marquette or mm-hmm. Paul Reed from DePaul would have been candidates there as well as freshman of the year. Uh, I, I think largely we kind of looked at the three Georgetown freshmen and threw in Joey Hauser from Marquette and it was James Akinjo that ended up getting the nod there. I think they picked the right guy. Akinjo had the most impact on Georgetown's team and uh, has pushed them to the edge of the NCAA tournament. I think we pegged that one. We also pegged the sixth man of the year, Paul Jorgensen from Butler, who actually came on to start late in the year for Butler, but he only started three conference games out of the 18 played on the season. He made an impact coming off the bench shooting the ball, and uh, that that, that was Butler's forte all, all season long. And sure enough, at the end of the year, Butler did not shoot the ball well, and they faded out of the mix. Most improved player in the Big East. There have been some real jewels over the year win this particular category, and this year, Paul Reed from DePaul got the nod, got the attention, got the improvement, and you mentioned this, I think, last week. NBA scouts have certainly had their ears perk up when it comes to his name. No, I've heard as much as certainly a top five NBA prospect in this league, but John, I, we, I think I said it last week, I don't remember him last year. If he, he obviously was on the team and played a tiny bit, I don't remember yeah, seeing under him under four points and under three rebounds a game last year. Well, that's called a big jump. Yeah. And I, I also think Nate Watson of Providence was a vastly improved big guy. Well, the player of the year in the Big East was one of the premier scoring guards in the country. Marquette's Marcus Howard can hit from almost any spot on the floor, and he did so frequently with a 53-point explosion, setting the league's scoring record for single-game scoring earlier this year. He also has to run the show for the Eagles at the point, and he joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. Howard step back, guarded three, you bet. Eight in a row to begin OT. He's got 47 in the game. Howard step back three again, and again! He drills it! He's got 50! Howard ties his career high with 52. And a new Big East record, 53. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Marcus Howard averaged 25 points per game in all games played this season, leading the Big East in scoring. He shot nearly 42% from three. He led his team with 112 made threes. And he also finished second in the Big East in free throw shooting, connecting at a 90% clip from the line. What did he not do? Well, in an overtime win over Creighton in January, Howard topped it all. He broke his own Big East scoring record with that 53-point night against the Blue Jays. What a season he had. Well, I think what he really did, John, he led his team. His role was to put the ball in the basket, and he could really do that. He did it last year as well, and they were an NIT team. This year, they're an NCAA tournament team. 
and it will be a team to watch in March. And uh, hats off to Marcus on a really great year. We had the chance to visit with Marcus this week, who says even though the Golden Eagles stumbled a bit at the end of the regular season, he does not feel it's time to panic, at least not right now. There's no pressure. You know, um, I'm really comfortable, you know, on our team and where we're at. And I know we've gone through some adversity, but um, I think as a team, that's really what we need. So, I mean, um, going into this week, um, we have a clear and fresh mind. We know this is a new season. Every team's zero and zero. We're just trying to, you know, win one game at a time to put us in the best position, you know, to play for something big. And um, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity of tomorrow to be able to compete and, you know, to do it here at MSG. Um, it's a dream come true. It's something you always dream about as a kid. So the fact that we're able to do it is definitely a blessing. Marcus, congratulations. John, jumping right to the negative. But, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn uh, media. No, you got to get to it at some point. That's it. That's it. Uh, how does Big East Player of the Year sound to you? And if I listed the guys who have won this in the past, would you appreciate what a special honor this is? Oh, I mean, it's an unbelievable honor. I mean, just um, just the names that have come before me. It's it's truly just a dream come true for me, and um, I wouldn't have gotten it without my, the help of my teammates and my coaches. You know, they've they've been so selfless in terms of you know letting me play the way I'm capable of playing, and that's required a lot of sacrifice on some other guys. And you know, they've been totally fine with it. And you know, um, just just how we as a team have really put winning first. And that requires different things to happen on a nightly basis. But the fact that we put winning first has really, you know, been a positive for us as a whole. So, um, you know, just just the fact that I feel as a team we're able to, you know, think that way has been a really good upside for us. I want you to know, not the complete ogre that Kevin thinks I am, you know. I'll told, you know, this has been a development year for you as well, taking over the point guard duties. How do you feel that your development has occurred? How would you describe yourself as a guard? Point guard, scoring point guard? scoring guard do you even need a tag you know I think I'm just a basketball player you know um you know with my size you know um but I'm able to score it's definitely hard to put a name on it you know some people want to peg me as a point guard some people want to peg me as a two guard but you know I just feel that I'm able to do so many different things on the court you know with the way I'm able to score as well as get my team involved and facilitate and make plays um it's hard to put a name on it but um I just want to be known as someone who can get the job done and play and most of all I just want to be known as a winner so um that's something I'm definitely looking especially this March you know looking forward to you know showing everybody that you know I have a winning mentality I have a winning attitude and so does our team. Our team has a lot to prove. So I'm um, really just excited for the opportunity. Okay, well, I can be the ogre for one question, John. Uh, Marquette has not had success in the Big East tournament, both during your career and even beforehand. I'm sure, well, I guess the question is, when you went home last couple of years, did you flick on the TV and see what was going on back here at the Garden, and how excited are you to hopefully be in that game? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. After we were out of the tournament, I didn't even want to didn't even want to look at it. You know, I was really bitter in terms of just wanting to be able to play. But um, I know just coming back from my third year, I definitely want to just change things in terms of, you know, from a winning aspect here in Madison Square Garden. So, um, you know, we're taking a totally different approach in, as to how we're dealing with it. Um, I feel our whole team has a great mindset going into a free mind. So, um, like I said, we're really just looking forward to the opportunity to play tomorrow. And um, it's going to be a great week. Marquette's Marcus Howard, the Big East Player of the Year, joining us this week in the Big East. All right, so... 53 points. Okay, now that set the scoring record, single-game scoring record earlier this year. We had a chance to talk to you on this program earlier this year as well after you hit for the 53. When you're in the middle of a game like that, are you even aware of what you're doing? And if you are, do you ask your teammates to get me the ball? I'm feeling it. I play with smart teammates, so they know just to get me the ball. But, um, no, but uh, 
No, in terms of that, I mean, I just try to do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, whether that's me shooting a shot or me creating for somebody else or somebody else, you know, taking a shot, whatever, whatever is going to uh, result in winning at the end result um, is something that we're going to do. And that's something we've talked about as a team and something we practice as a team. And, um, you know, it was just so happened that, that that night, that's what it called for and that's what the game called for. So that's what we had to do. And I'm glad we just left that place with the win. You'll probably be asked about 53 for a long time, unless you get 54 we'll someday. Yeah, right? uh, who, who has the, the, I don't know, if is it a tape or a DVD, or who has that? Is your parents have it? Do you have it in your dorm room? Do you just assume you'll get it when you graduate, or do you have a look at it? Come on, it's all over yeah. your drive, right, and your hard drive, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't really have it. You know, I, I try to, you know, just... Uh, try and be in the present moment. I don't really try to look too too far back into things. You know, uh, it was a great night, but um, I want to be known for for more than just that. So I'm sure you know my mom, being who my mom is, you know, very proud of her boys, all three of us. I'm sure she has it recorded or taped somewhere, and she always watches it. But um, yeah, me personally, I mean, um, it was a great night, but I kind of just left it in the past with that. I don't really talk about it much. Um, people bring it up. I kind of am courteous about talking about it, but um, I don't really go into a whole bunch of detail when. Uh, people bring it up or things like that because you know I want to be known for you know each and every game I play not just one I had in the past besides yourself then one player that is key for Marquette to have success in the month of March I think we all play a pivotal part but you know um, a guy I'd have to say Sam Hauser you know um, in my opinion he's one of if not the best forward in the country in my opinion you know I'm around him each and every day I know how he works his mentality he just wants to win he's about the right things and then he's just a tough kid you know, a tough guy. You know, I wouldn't trade him for anybody in the world in terms of a person to play with. So um, Sam Hauser, I think, is really, really prepared and prepped for a big-time big, big time march. And, you know, I'm really fortunate that he's on our team because I for sure wouldn't want to play against him. <laughs> John, most college seniors are, some of them are 23 years old. Yeah. Marcus just turned 20, I believe. Yes. I know that you came in so young, and they threw you right into the fire. How did you benefit from that as a, I believe, 17-year-old when yeah. you started college? Yeah, so I started college at 17. You know, I was 17 my, pretty much my entire freshman year of playing. So, um, you know, I think it was just something that benefited me. I mean, I always played up. I've always played, you know, years above my own. So um, it was something I'd been used to. It was definitely an adjustment, but, you know, I felt it helped me in the long run, you know, being young, being able to grasp that much knowledge just at that young of an age. So um, it's definitely helped. And, you know, I'm 20, year old, 20 years old now, but you know, I feel so much older than that just because of the experience I've had, you know, playing at the collegiate level. So um, I think it was definitely one of the best decisions I've made, you know, deciding to come here so early um, because I was able to learn so much uh, at a young age and with a young mindset, you know. So I was able to grow quickly, which I thought was very key in my development. Got one more for you here. And because of the balance in the league overall this year, Year. Certainly, everybody seemed capable of beating just everybody else. For sure. Who was particularly difficult for you to face? Was it a player? Was it a team? Was there someone that just like, wow, I got to figure this guy or this team out? Yeah. I mean, all the teams in the Big East are, like you said, very competitive, very difficult to play against. But um, I'd have to say Creighton. You know, Creighton's are definitely a tough team to play for, a tough team to scout. Um, just how fast they move on offense, you know, with all the threats that they have offensively. They're definitely a tough team to, you know, play against. But um, it definitely makes for an exciting game. You know, us and them is an exciting game. But they're definitely a tough team to play against just based on how, how hard they run offense, how, you know, just how, um, how they're able to put points up on the board. That's Marcus Howard, the Big East Player of the Year from Marquette. And Howard is the second Golden Eagle to win the award. His former star, Jay Crowder, won the honor back in 2011-2012. Next, some perspective from a guy who's got plenty of it in Northeast Hoop circles and around the country. The one and only Hoops, Dick Weiss, next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. 
Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom, where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. The National Perspective. Pascal bobbles it, but Booth gets it. Gets it off to Gillespie. Long three. It's good from the right wing. Well, he shot that kind of stepped in. He shot it with a lot of confidence. Big basket for Gillespie and the Wildcats. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Inside Madison Square Garden, the site of the Big East Tournament for a 37th consecutive year. Kevin and I joined now by longtime college basketball writer, columnist, observer, opinionator, and fan. Dick Hoops Weiss, who does his thing now for Blue Star Media, but has covered the league primarily from New York and Philly perspectives throughout his career. Dick, I'm wondering what you made of the parody in the middle of the conference this season, and can you recall any other season similar to this one maybe in that regard? I Frankly, I can't. I, I, and I think leagues tend to be graded more often than not by the amount of teams at the top and the amount of teams at the bottom. Uh, I think that the one thing this league has done this year, it's made every game on the road competitive. Which is remarkable Which when you think remarkable. about it. Yeah, that's true. No, more uh, home, more road victories than we've ever seen before. No which, question. No uh, question. I mean, no. the home uh, what was the, the home record was barely 60%. Right. Barely 60%. And the other number that uh, the, the Big East office gave us was is that uh, games decided by six points or less in overtime. 42% of 90 league games. Whew. Well, and <laughs> That speaks volumes. Yeah, it does. And right? it also goes to show when a team like Villanova can win the regular season championship and only really return two key players, Eric Paschal and uh, Phil Booth, I mean, it tells you that uh, this is a league in transition that coaching is more important than ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this league had seven teams in the in the NCAAs just a few years ago. We'll talk about how many we think may sneak in this time. But, but it was a year where a team that clearly rebuilt itself on the fly was able to win it. Villanova. Uh, right. Hoops, you're in touch with the Wildcats as much as anybody. Just your take on how the season unfolded for Jay Wright. It was, it was a challenging one. Well... I mean, certainly at first, I, I was at the Michigan game at the at the Finn when they were down sixty to thirty, uh, and then the ne- in the next game they lose to Furman at home. So it wasn't the best start in the world. The thing that impressed me is he got his kids together to a point where they won ten straight at the start of the Big East season. Mm-hmm. It kind of gave them a cushion for what happened later in the year when. They really struggled to score offensively uh, from more than one position at a time. And if you took either Pascal or Booth out of the game, you figured you had a pretty good chance of winning. I like to say that we see these teams so often we notice their warts more than their positives. Uh, or, or maybe that's just, again, we're prickly sports writers. I'm not quite sure, Hoops. But a little bit of both. We, we, yeah, I, I qualify. Yeah. We, 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 we know Villanova's warts, uh, but yet we know their positives. They're savvy, uh, Pascal and Booth, Jay Wright's experience in the tournament. 
can this team be all of a sudden a surprise team in the NCAA tournament? I don't know if it'll happen this year. I do know that Jay Wright has done it with smoke and mirrors and has done a coach of the year job uh, given what he had coming back, he never expected to lose four players from the uh, team that won the national championship. I honestly believe he thought he would have DiVincenzo and uh, um, Spellman and Spellman back right. this year. No one expected Dante to go off for 31. That would have been a team, though, however, that I think oh. would have been right up there at the top of the national Absolutely. That is for sure. I mean, we're talking about teams that are probably at the highest going to get a five seed in the tournament. Villanova has those two kids. They're probably playing for a one or a two seed. Totally agree. You have two first-round picks who would have been back in college. Right. Dick Hoops Weiss joining us here this week in the Big East at Madison Square Garden in New York. So this perception now that Villanova's a little down and Marquette struggled at the end of the regular season and the rest of the league beating each other up, how does that stand overall in the national picture, and should it really matter at this stage of the game? Because every league, Kevin and I have talked about this frequently throughout the year, every league goes through cycles. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's, I think we'll see a complete change next year, yeah. and I think you'll have a number of teams who are much better. And this is still a young league. And, I mean, and frankly, even when you look at Villanova next year, they're going to be playing four freshmen. Yeah, for which, incoming for freshmen. Very talented freshmen, yes. but freshmen nevertheless. Right. Right. So, I mean, and in this league, you usually win in with experience. The one over one, two national championships with experience. It's, it's funny when you look at the NCAA tournament, the teams that win championships in the last three years, Villanova, Carolina, Villanova, all had upper-class experience, or redshirt players. That begs the question, Hoops, uh, because I know you travel around. We were talking earlier, and you said you saw Carolina and Duke and and saw Carolina a few times. Just your perspective on maybe the top teams in the country and with specifically a little bit about Duke, and I know Zion Williamson is expected to jump back into the ACC tournament this weekend. Well, I mean, he is a generation player. I actually first saw him... Uh, October before his senior year out at USA Basketball's minicamp, he was the best player in the tryouts for the Nike Hoop Summit. Uh, no one gets in his way. He's six seven, two hundred eighty pounds. He's almost an unstoppable force when he has the rim in his sights, and he's also a defensive game changer. I, is he a great shooter yet? I'm not sure, but he certainly is a player that teams are tanking for because they want to make him the number one pick. That's right. We're actually in the home court of one of them. One of those. That's right. With those those knickerbockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, right. you could say that almost every year. Yes. <laughs> all right. We won't have to go any further than that. Knicks fans listen too. All right. So then uh, we love you. Yes. Of course. Of course. We love everybody. Let's go, Knicks. Yes. So with that, with Duke. Uh, in that perspective, do you feel like this NCAA tournament coming up uh, is up for grabs? Or if he's healthy, uh, do the Blue well, Devils get a little bit of an what? edge? What are your thoughts? A lot of people automatically want to make them the preseason favor. They wanted, wanted to do that ever since they be, they got 114 in Kentucky in the uh, Champions Classic, the first game of the yeah. year, in a game where Williamson had 27-8. and eight. I mean, it almost became a national phenomenon overnight because aside from Instagram, it's the first chance college basketball fans actually saw him. But the one thing you have to remember with Duke, they start four freshmen. 
Now, as good as they may be, it's a different world in Still a want it, yeah. in a want to go home situation. Right. right. I mean, yeah, they won it in fifteen, but. I always felt that it, had they drawn Kentucky in the semifinals, they might not have won it. As it turns out, Kentucky played Wisconsin, and uh, Wisconsin wins the game, and Kentucky was fighting for an unbeaten season at that point, and Duke wins with three freshmen. Mm-hmm. You brought up Kentucky. Uh, you know, Coach Cal always has a slew of good players. Tennessee kind of outplayed them for the bulk of the SEC, and then, sure enough, at the very end, Kentucky's there. What's your spin on the Cats? I think that I, I actually saw them play in the Bahamas in the summer. I thought they would be very good uh, this year, but I didn't think we'd know much about them until February when they got their lineup straightened out, their rotation straightened out. I think the fact that Higgins and Johnson, the two freshmen, have really come on and the fact that uh, – that 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 Reed Travis uh, really turned into be a player who could get up and down the floor as well as just lock into the post has really made them a lot better. I mean, listen, P.J. Washington came in with a great reputation. The extra year has done wonders for his game. And right now, their first five is playing at a, a, a pretty high level. Uh, you know, though it's ironic, the winner of that league is was LSU. Right, that's a good point. The regular <laughs> season, I left out the Tigers, who, who are obviously going into the tournament with a little bit of a a cloud. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, but but I don't think anyone wants to play them at full strength. They're a very uh, talented a, not, team. If if they get smart back and they right. get and they and they have David and do they have a coach? Winners. Do they have a coach? Uh, well, well, I guess we'll find out how how, how good Tony Benford is very quickly right. because right. Uh, Will Wade has already said that he will not speak to uh, LSU officials about his relationship with uh, convicted middleman Christian Dawkins until after the federal investigation is over, Yikes. which is like saying. I'm not going to coach this the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. That's the one and only Dick Hoops Weiss. Who's got next? Well, three teams, four teams, more teams than that, going dancing from the 10-team Big East. We will consider the possibilities next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Rebound, snatched down with one hand by Justin Simon. St. John's into the front court. Right wing, Heron a three, and it's good! And here come the Red Storm. It's a five-point game. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East from Madison Square Garden. Who's got next? Well, the Big East tournament wraps up this weekend, and then March Madness, the NCAA tournament. The bids go out on Selection Sunday. How many teams, Kevin, from the Big East, put the crystal ball off in front of you here, tell us who gets in, who's got the best chance for success? I like four with a chance at five, John. And everyone around the country would be five. There's not five Big East teams. This is my scenario. Yep. Villanova and uh, Marquette are in. I think Seton Hall is in. That's three. 
I think St. John's is going to find a way to get the job done in the Big East tournament for I four. I agree with that. And we're going to have a surprise champion for an automatic bid. Ooh. That would be five. And maybe I'll pick... Xavier? Xavier. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Xavier's <laughs> probably playing as well as anyone in the last well, three weeks. But even so, uh, has Xavier then done enough in the last two or three weeks to warrant the mention again for an at-large spot? I don't. I don't think so. I think they have to win the Big East tournament to grab that automatic bid. Okay. Fair enough. So that's what we have looking at. Do you see that the Big East also looked at three or four teams for the NIT? Uh, I, oh, there's no question. Teams like uh, Creighton and Providence and Georgetown are right on that NIT area, you know, then that sweet spot, maybe even some home games for some Big East teams. And, uh, you know, John, I, I just want to go back to uh, Big East in 2014. That was the first year of the reconfigured league. They got four teams in. So probably about the same this year. That year, they had two teams win first-round games and not advance to the second weekend. So I would say with this year, you know, we've talked about it all year, rebuilding year, a lot of young teams. If the Big East can get one, two teams in the the second second weekend, weekend, Mm -hmm. boy, that's... that would be pretty good. Bodes well for the future. It right? really does. And then, you know, all bets are off after that. Well, I think it's actually a good way to put it because if you can get it in when it's unexpected, then at the same time, you got to feel pretty good about your prospects for the future. And I think that's the way that a lot of these coaches would look at yeah, it. Yeah, the NCAA tournament is success is all about knocking on the door. It's all so much unpredictability, upsets, blah, blah, blah. These teams are very evenly matched, especially after the first, uh, you know, after the ones and twos and threes play their first game. You increase your chances with better odds. You have more teams in, you have a chance. Obviously, the Big East has hit the jackpot two of the last three years with with Villanova going all the way. Maybe this is someone else's turn to surprise. Which team goes the furthest in March Madness? I'm, I'm going with Chalk. I'm going with Villanova. Uh, they've been through it. A few of the players have been through it. Jay Wright really has been through it. But I tell you, it is a different, and I know Jay talked about it uh, a little early on the show, it's a different animal when you're a five or six seed than a one and uh that's the coach's job to get his team ready to play that just killer first game how many uh, you know five twelves have we seen when the 12 takes down the five sure that could be villanova could be in one of those challenging games i'm going to go just for the sake of argument i'm going to go with marquette i'm going to feel like the uh, golden eagles are going to find some of that magic they had a month ago and if they do they are so hard to guard and a lot of that i think is predicated on sam hauser finding his stroke again no doubt you know everyone's going to circle marcus howard i can only imagine how you know a big 12 team is going to attack someone like marcus howard uh, in the ncaa tournament the two hausers if they are making jump shots that's when Marquette is an elite team. Our thanks to Villanova's Jay Wright, Marquette's Marcus Howard, and Blue Star Media college basketball writer Dick Hoops Weiss for joining us this week. Our thanks also go out to all of our flagship radio stations around the Big East Conference for their assistance in bringing us and bringing you all of the sound that takes us inside these big moments on the floor with such passion and energy. Our thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. We also thank our good friend, Chris Majikowski, for his assistance here at Madison Square Garden this week. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter. We're always ready to talk some basketball. Enjoy the madness now upon us. We'll talk to you again when the new season rolls around for this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.